0: believe in miracles, but they don't always happen. Who here has experienced a miracle? Come on, somebody. Who here has prayed and not experienced a miracle? Who here has had that happen in the same hour? <laughs> it's very confusing. And so we're talking about miracles, and we're talking about the tension and the inconsistencies we feel. Let's read Mark 16. This is what Jesus promises to all who will ever believe in him. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. Anybody here believe in Jesus? Believe he's good, willing, able. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. This is the message Jesus shares with the disciples, and they pass it on to the Apostle Paul. Let's see how he applies it in his life in the book of Acts. Acts 19 says, God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. When handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases, and evil spirits were expelled. So not only can he heal people by laying hands on them, he's touching pieces of clothing and laying it on the sick and they are experiencing healing so obviously he's able to heal tons of people let's see how he does the healing works for his friends in 2 timothy 420 erastus stayed in corinth and i left termiphas sick in Miletus. what paul you have the power to heal but you left your bro sick Come on, you know how Miletus is. Don't leave your friends sick there. Well, maybe this is a one-time thing. Well, let's look at 1 Timothy 5.23. Don't drink only water. You ought to drink a little wine for the sake of your stomach, because you are sick so often. Paul has a supernatural power to heal the sick. A person he's mentoring in the ministry, Timothy is sick, and he's like, bro, get a Merlot what are you doing you're only drinking water as scripture as is documented for all of eternity i want to say this to you drink some wine and all the people of god said amen hesitantly (laughs) you know what's the deal when god doesn't heal what's going on Have you ever prayed that? Have you ever asked God that question? And so the title of my message today is, Why Does God Heal Some But Not All? Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you so much for your word, your love, your grace. I pray that today you'd bring great comfort to our souls and that we wouldn't be just hearers of your word but doers. We pray in the name of Jesus and everybody said, amen. Amen. You know, as a a new Christian in high school, I was so excited about God, a life that was transformed, and I heard a message about God's healing power, and I was like, yes, God gave me the power to heal. I'm going to apply it in my public high school. On the bus one day, I asked, hey, is anybody here sick? Does anybody here need healing? Because God's given me the power to heal you. And one girl said, I have a headache. I said, well, all right, let me pray for you. So I actually laid hands on her, prayed for her. She's a skeptic. The whole bus is filled with non-Christians, skeptics. This is a very weird experience. I pray for her headache, and she's like, it's, it's gone. <laughs> and uh, people marveled. People gave their life to Jesus, and I was able to pray for more and more sick people. It was amazing. One night, I was at a church service, a Sunday night service, and the pastor says, hey, if you're dealing with a sickness or if you've had an illness you've carried with you your whole life, come to the front, come to the altar, and let's pray, and I'm believing that God is going to heal people in this very service. So, young teenage Pradeepan runs to the altar, I get on my knees, and I say, Lord, I've had to wear glasses since I was in the second grade, I'm wearing contacts now, Lord, would you heal my eyesight? And so I took my contacts out, and I laid them before the Lord as an act of faith. Lord, the widow gave you two mites. I gave you two contacts. Lord, here is my sacrifice. And then I just started just praying my guts out. Lord, I walk by faith and not by sight. Lord, is that you? It's just, oh, it's just a light. All right. I love you in there, anyways. So I take my contacts out and I'm looking around. And I'm like, "Wow! I never realized the world is blurry, and I'm actually seeing it as it is for the first time. We—I've been seeing the world clearly all my life. Now I'm seeing the real blurry reality that is Earth, and I'm stepping out in faith. I had prayed for my friends. I would seen healings, and I—I have." awesome faith and trust in God, and nothing's really changing. Nothing's really happening, but I'm like, all right, I'm just going to keep on walking out in faith, and I get in my car, my Chevy Beretta, bright red, at night in Minnesota, and I, I drive this car, and I'm like, squinting you know when you can't see you just squint and somehow that helps and everybody thinks you're mad at them but you're just like I just can't see and so I'm like squinting my way around traffic I can't really see I'm so scared I'm driving so slowly long story short I totaled that car a year later Have you ever prayed for a miracle and it it didn't happen? And you're like, God, what are you doing? What's happening? And even in the series on miracles, I feel the tension. I feel the caution. I feel the fear of what is going to be preached, what is going to be said, because we've prayed for ourselves or we've prayed for loved ones and not experienced miracles at times. And it makes us question a lot of things. Experiencing this myself I've seen people fall into two camps where they start to blame God or they start to blame people when they don't experience the miracle that they have faith for. We blame God and we say things like uh well I guess God is giving me sickness or God is the author of this death or God hey You're sovereign, and you're just going to do whatever you're going to do. So my prayers don't really matter. My actions don't really matter. God, you are in control. And so... I just give up because I can't I can't impact anything. I can't change anything. God, you're like this distant deity. You're fickle. You're you're capricious. I can't I can't impact your decision making. Your ways are higher than my ways. And so I just I put my hands up and I give up. There's nothing for me. And and in that we grow bitter sometimes towards God. Have you ever felt that way? You're like, God, why'd you heal them, but not me? Why'd you why'd you help them over there, but you won't help us over here? And you're just kind of bitter, and you blame God. I've seen us fall into the other camp where we blame people. Have you ever heard this? The reason you're sick is because you don't have enough faith Where people say, you know, Jesus, he bore all of our sicknesses on the cross. Jesus has defeated sickness once and for all. All of our promises in God are yes and amen. If you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move this mountain. So if you're not experiencing healing, it's because you don't have enough faith. If you would have prayed the right prayers in the right way, your child would still be alive. Can you see how painful that counsel is? I've seen it happen in the midst of people's pain and tragedies. People blame the person for the sickness and the death. And there are excesses in our theology where if we give into the excess, we find pain and shame and guilt and bitterness and a lack of trusting God and, and wondering God why not me and why why don't I have more faith? I wish I would have prayed more, I wish I would have done more. And blame is just not a fruit of the spirit. Blame isn't something that that helps us. Shame is not a fruit of the spirit. But that's what happens in these to camps of belief. And, And today, I want to zoom out a little bit and tackle this question, why does God heal some, but not all? And as your hearts are cautious, as you're feeling maybe the pain of experiences you felt in the church, I want to let you know that this message is designed to comfort you to maybe give you more options and vocabulary for some of the things that you're dealing with in your reality when your faith doesn't match your experience. And so I want to talk about three tensions today. And I believe that the tensions we're dealing with and the inconsistencies of our healing and our miracles lie in the tension between the fallen world, the responsibility of humans and the sovereignty of God. Sovereignty meaning God can do whatever God wants to do because he is the king of kings. Jesus is the king. Kanye West didn't invent that. That's in the scripture. <laughs> and so the first tension I want to discuss is the tension of the fallen world. And here's the reality. God heals. Amen. Amen. But people still die. God said that the disciples could lay their hands on the sick. Guess what? We're alive and the disciples are not, praise God. (laughs) I've seen faith healers die. It's just a part of our reality. And what's going on here? If God's healing, why are people still dying? Couldn't they just pray for healing forever? But the reality is God is is in the miracle business, but people still die. Death is a consequence of the fall, according to Romans 6.23. It overtakes us all and most commonly recruits illness as a vehicle. And we might be wondering, well, I I thought Jesus defeated death. Why do we still experience sickness? And I have a couple of questions, a logical path we can walk down. But let me ask you this question. How many of you believe that on the cross, on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that Jesus defeated sin once and for all? How many of you would believe that? Jesus is the victor. Do you still sin? If you say no, guess what? You're a liar and you just sinned. (laughs) Jesus defeated sin, but we still experience sin. In the same way, Jesus defeated sin. Death, but we all experience death. Why is this happening? Because we're living in an era of history between the already and the not yet. A theological way of saying that is we live in between fulfillment and consummation. We prayed and we sang in that worship song earlier that you are the one who is and is to come. Is the kingdom of God present or future Yes and amen. We live between the already and not yet. We know that Jesus Christ will wipe away every tear. Death will have no sting. Where people will be made new and walk in life and life abundantly in the future. But right now, we see that Jesus defeated death on the cross, and we see this future without tears, and we're somewhere right in the middle, in the already, but not yet, the fulfillment without consummation. So we pray, Lord, let your kingdom come, but we also realize the kingdom of God is at hand. It's this tension, the already, but not yet. Hebrews 2.8 says it like this. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. So everything is in subjection to him, yet we do not see everything in subjection to him. You know, I was talking with my wife yesterday, Pastor Amrita. and I was like, how can I explain this so it makes sense and it's not so lofty and theological? And I said, would this work? You know, it's like when we got married. The minister said, hey, you are husband and wife. You're married. Dreams come true. This is the fulfillment. But we were not receiving all the benefits of that marriage. There was no consummation. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about Sex. <laughs> we were married, but not experiencing every benefit of marriage. There was fulfillment, but not consummation. It already happened, but there is a major not yet on the horizon. Come on, somebody. For all my single people, <laughs> for us to understand this, it's like the most painful time many of us experience in our lives, and it's ridiculous because. It's so fast, it's so convenient, but you know when you order something online and the order has been received, you have paid for it, and then it's been shipped, but it hasn't been received. It's been shipped, but it hasn't been fully delivered. So someone says, hey, do you uh, own a jean jacket? Yeah, I just paid for one online. Well, let me see your jean jacket. Well, it hasn't been delivered yet. Do you own the jean jacket? Yes. Are you wearing the jean jacket? No. Why? Because it's been shipped but not delivered. It's in between the already but not yet. And all my jean jacket lovers said yes and amen. Come on. Taylor, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. And so this is where the church steps in. One of the responsibilities of the church is our mission is to bring the future, the glory of how things are going to be, into the present. That's what we do. We know that every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. We know that every tear will be wiped away. And so as carriers of the kingdom we take what's in the future and we transport it to the present and we say lord the kingdom of god is at hand but we pray let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven let your kingdom come into this moment and that's where we have our faith not everything that will be here is here right now and that creates a lot of tension and inconsistencies in our miracle life amen Lord, what is going on? And I think some of the tension of why God heals some but not all is because we live in a fallen world. We are groaning for things to be as they one day will be in between the already and not yet. A lot of us have experienced the goodness of God. We have a lot of already's, but right now many of us are crushed by the weight of our not yet's. We're crushed by it. And that's one of the reasons why we don't want to fall too far into one of the categories that I'm going to name next. So number two, one of the tensions that we're dealing with as a result of the fallen world, and we are in the responsibility, in the responsibility of humans, number two. So when we're going through the inconsistencies of what, why is God healing some but not all, we have to ask ourselves, what can we do? What can we take responsibility for? You know, I, I'm in a men's small group. It leads, it, it, it meets every Wednesday at 7 p.m. at my place. And we've been doing this thing where we're eating really hot, spicy chicken wings, right? And the hottest we've gotten was about 275,000 Scoville units, which is about 60 times the heat of a jalapeno. And so it's very hot. And I, I'm telling you what, it, it's hot going in, and it's, it's hot. Well, it's just hot. It's hot. And uh, when, I, when we're dealing with that heat and we tell people about it, nobody feels bad for us. They're like, there's no compassion. There's no empathy or sympathy because they're like, you're doing that to yourself, right? And you are responsible. And I think in the natural and in the supernatural, there are some parts of us not experiencing our healing that we can take responsibility for even in the human and supernatural realm. You know, in Matthew 17... It kind of highlights a passage like this. And I'm about to get really scripture heavy and uh, get ready. But in Matthew 17, it says, When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into fire in the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. And now, no chill, Jesus says, You unbelieving and perverse generation. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed at that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private, just like we're doing right now. Why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, because you have so little faith. Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Notice that Jesus doesn't say, the boy wasn't healed because God's going to do whatever God's going to do. You have no impact. You can't change. It's already been written, and we're just walking out these plans. No, he addresses human responsibility. It was a faith issue. And what are some of the issues that hold us back from walking in the miraculous? And I'm going to list a bunch of them that I see in the scriptures. And as I read this, though, I want to say it with love and caution, because many of of us have carried the guilt of people telling us the reason you're experiencing that is because you just didn't have enough faith. And so as I I share this, do not let condemnation, shame, or guilt rest on your shoulders. These are areas where we can look into and what can we do when we're not experiencing our miracles. So the first thing is we can confess sin. James 5, 16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Confess your sin. Another thing we can do when we're not experiencing our healing is this, increase faith. Like we read earlier, Matthew 13, 58. And so Jesus only did a few miracles there because of their unbelief. Their unbelief, their lack of faith prevented Jesus from from performing many miracles. We know it's impossible to please God without faith, and we know that faith comes by the hearing of the word of God. So increasing our faith will be something we can control. Obeying God. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Maritha preached about Naaman, who, who didn't want to be healed of leprosy in one river. He preferred another river. But eventually he said, hey, I'm going to obey, I'm going to submit, I will receive the healing on your terms, in your ways, and he was healed of leprosy. Some of us, we just need to obey God. You know, God might speak to you to receive healing through biblical counseling, through a doctor, through medicine, through a step of faith in the right direction. There are a number of ways God will bring healing, and you just have to obey him. Obedience might be the reason you're not experiencing your miracle. Another thing is we simply can ask God. That's something we can do. Matthew 7, 7 says this, Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for later on, he says, a good father knows how to give good gifts. If you ask for bread, he's not going to give you a a scorpion. So ask your father. Keep on asking. He even told a woman who is longing for justice with the judge, hey, be aggressive. Keep on asking for justice. And the judge won't even care about justice. He'll just want to get you off his back, and so he'll grant it to you because you kept on asking in the same way you ought to pray, Jesus says. Another way we can control our lack of miracles is by fasting. In, math, in Mark 9, 29, the scriptures say, this kind cannot be driven out except by prayer and fasting. And this had to do with the possessed son. Why isn't this person being delivered from this trauma? Because they aren't praying and fasting. Another one, seek deliverance. In Luke 13, 11, the scriptures say, he saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. She had been Spent double for 18 years and was unable to stand up straight. Then Jesus speaks to the spirit, exercises it, it, commands it to leave, and she is healed. So we can seek deliverance from demonic oppression. Another thing we can do is we can wait. When Jesus finds out Lazarus is sick... He goes to resurrect Lazarus, and in Luke eleven six, 6, it says, So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. We know that Lazarus was going to be resurrected, but Jesus was taking his sweet time. And Two days later, three days later, Lazarus received. So sometimes we just need to wait for God to come through. Another thing we can do in control is persevere. Mark 8.25 says then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again, and his eyes were opened. I think it's so amazing that Jesus, fully God, had to pray twice for someone to experience a miracle. And sometimes we just have to persevere, keep pressing in, and keep praying. And the last one I want to share is something we can do, is we can check our motivations. In John 5.6 The scriptures say, when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? And in Matthew 12, 39, when people are demanding a sign from Jesus, almost using miracles as a source of entertainment, Jesus replied, only an evil, adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign. The only sign I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah. And so we see a lot of areas that humans can take responsibility for when we're not experiencing our healing. And again, I don't want you to take that as a source of shame or guilt, but it is comforting to know that there are things that we can do. Amen. And so that's one of the tensions we're dealing with, the tension of the fallen world. The tension of human responsibility. The third tension I want to talk about is the tension of the sovereignty of God. Sovereignty meaning God can do whatever God wants to do because Jesus is king. This is the point, honestly, that I have the hardest time with. This is the one I hate. Jesus is just going to do what Jesus is going to do. But I also take great hope in this, that our faith isn't in faith, but it is in God. Our faith isn't in a formula. Our faith isn't in a magic spell. Our faith isn't in just reading scripture or living a pure and holy life. Ultimately, our faith is relational. Our faith isn't in faith, but our faith is in God. Amen. And we can trust him. He's good. He is loving. He is able. He does see things from a different perspective than us. We can trust him. In Daniel 3, 16 through 20, Daniel was being persecuted, about to be killed for only worshiping God and not worshiping a human king. And he says something really amazing, showcasing his trust in God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, this was a king that was oppressing them. We do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. Look at that faith. He will, look at that faith. He will, confidence, assurance. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. And check this out. But even if he doesn't, I love that phrase. He will rescue us, faith, assurance. God is good. I put my trust in him. He will do this. But even if he doesn't. We want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up, even if. And sometimes we are afraid to get our hopes up because we're afraid to trust God because we've been domesticated by our disappointment. But when we see scriptures like this, we go in a spirit of faith, in a spirit of trusting God from what if God doesn't show up to, even if God doesn't come through like I want, I'm going to praise him. We go from what if things don't work out to even if I have to suffer for the sake of the gospel, I will. Because I love Jesus and I know that we're in between the already and not yet. I've seen God move back then and I've seen so many already's and I will not let the weight of my not yet's crush me. And even if I don't experience the miracles on my terms and in my ways, I will trust in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ who is able to protect and help Come on, let's give God a shout of praise. But this is the hardest one for me, trusting God. It is difficult, but I will trust that God sees things from a different perspective, and ultimately, he has the victory. Ultimately, God will wipe away every tear. Ultimately, we will all all experience resurrection into true life and life abundantly, where every tear will be wiped away. And I want to show you a story about a person who chose to trust God in the insecurity of the already, but not yet. This is a pastor, a worship pastor from Bell Press Church from right here in in Bellevue. And I run into him in coffee shops. He heard about the sermon and he said, hey, I have the perfect story. Do you want to share it? And I said, yeah. Film a video for us. So let's watch this video.
1: Hey guys, my name is Evan. When I was 17, I was diagnosed with a retina disease called retinitis pigmentosa, where your vision just kind of goes black from the outside in, um, and you go blind. Uh, you lose your night vision first. Um, I was told I would be legally blind by my early 30s and totally blind by 40 probably. Um, and I had just given my life to God, just became a Christian, and, and I just prayed, God, why? Like, what's going on? Why are you doing this? Why is this happening? And uh, I I prayed that prayer every day for 15 years. It it changed over the years. But he just said, trust me, I'll heal you. Trust me, I'll heal you. Trust me, I'll heal you. And um, through those 15 years, I cried. I was afraid, but I trusted God. And um, two years ago, uh, I found a uh, traditional Chinese medicine doctor in Vancouver, BC, who uses acupuncture and uh, herbal uh, like teas and tablets to treat the disease and he's claimed he claimed that he's reversed it for twenty years in people and and uh, healed them. So figured what I got to lose and I called him and um set up an appointment and I was given the money, um miraculously given the money. Uh, it was a lot of money <laughs> to go uh for the first year and I saw eighty uh, percent of my vision come back. Um I can see better than I have in ten years. Um and it's just amazing. I've cried tears of joy uh daily for a little while, honestly. Because uh, I was almost blind. I was seeing through a pinhole. I was about to buy a white cane. Um, um, and through this, not only was I healed, but my dad became a Christian. Uh, about eight years ago, he, he became a Christian. And when I first became a Christian in high school, he said he wanted nothing to do with God, and he hated God. And so I left the day he told me that, and I said, God, I'll do anything if you save him. I'll do anything. Then I got this disease, this eye disease, right? I didn't put two and two together until, like, last year um, that I prayed that, and then this happened. But... Uh, when I was 26, yeah, about eight years ago, he got saved and he said he knew God was real when he watched me get diagnosed with this disease that was going to take my vision away and still got on a stage and worship him and praise him and tell him he's good. He said that's what showed him he knew God was real. So I know Pradeepan's preaching about uh, how God heals and that we can trust him even when he doesn't. And it looked like for 15 years he wasn't going to heal me even though I heard it. But I trusted him. I trusted him. And look what happened. My dad's a Christian now. Saved my, save my father. It's beautiful. Um, so trust him in your pain, trust him in your trials, and um, let him let him have his way because he's good when he heals and he's good when he doesn't. Um, even though it's hard sometimes, and sometimes it takes a long time, and through that process, um, that's when you see him move. So, thanks, guys.
0: Amen. Jesus, you're good. Jesus is good. Even if he doesn't rescue us, we'll still worship the Lord, and that that is a faith. That the world marvels at. And I I know many of us are crushed by the weight of our not-yets. Now, I want this to be a message that's comforting. Knowing that God loves you and he has a plan for you. He cares about you. And that story I read earlier about Lazarus is dead. They say, Jesus, your friend Lazarus is dead. And he waits a couple of days before resurrecting him. And we know that Lazarus is resurrected by Jesus, overcomes death. It's amazing. But on the way to raise Lazarus from the dead... The shortest verse in the Bible happens. It says, Jesus wept. And I, lo- I love that Jesus knew that the resurrection was coming, but he was still able to enter into the emotions and the pain of the moment and weep with the community. And we know that Jesus will resurrect us. We know our future is amazing, and we're so excited for when the Lord will wipe away every tear. But even right now, we may not have, like, these perfect answers and the tension between a fallen world and the responsibility of humans and the sovereignty of God. But what we do know is that Jesus weeps with us, that Jesus suffers with us, that on the cross he he felt the weight of all of our sickness, all of our sin, he took it and he suffers with us. And that we have this great commission in Christ. It's not a mono mission where we're just going through this alone. We have a partner in God. It's a commission to bring the future into the present. Meanwhile, God suffers with us, cares for us, weeps for you, loves you. He's so good. He's so able. He has a plan for you. And he is suffering too in the midst of this tension. But the good news is that we have a hope that will not fade away. We have a hope that will not fade away. Tim Keller says, while other worldviews lead us to sit in the midst of life joys, foreseeing the coming sorrows, Christianity empowers its people to sit in the midst of world sorrows, tasting the coming joy. And I just love this. And another scripture that so encourages me in this in-between is from 2 Corinthians. The scriptures say this. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed day by day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. Glory to God. Our hope will last forever. And so it's with that great trembling, I say, Kalos Church, let's live with our hopes up. Because our hope comes from the one who can only bring hope. And his name is Jesus Christ. And while we're in these tensions, we know our God is good. And we will worship him when he rescues us. And even if he doesn't in this era, we will still trust that the best is yet to come. Amen. And I, I realize this is a, a, a painful message, but we will lean on the strength of God. And so for all of us who have carried the bitterness, have been like, God, why do you heal them, but not me? My prayer is that would just come off. God loves you. He's working within the realm of this tension, but he has a good plan for us. And for those of us who've been carrying the shame of, ah, I just didn't have enough faith, and that's why this happened, let that shame come off and let God weep with you and comfort you Lazarus didn't have to do anything to be resurrected. He just was resurrected. And so let's let that shame come off of you and receive the love of Jesus.